appreciate Brother Tim's message this morning from Psalm 65. And that is an Old Testament text from the lips of David. Blessed is the man that thou choosest and causes to approach unto thee. That's about as plain as plain can be, isn't it? And if you love the Lord this morning, and I know you do, it's because he chose you and caused you to approach unto him and his drawing power. All the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he had come out no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will. All he hath given me, I shall lose nothing. Raise it again the last day. As I was considering what to try to preach on this morning and trying to pray and ponder it, it seemed like an encounter that the Lord Jesus Christ had with ten lepers came to my mind with some force and weight. So I'd like to go there this morning. It's Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. We find where the Lord was on a journey to Jerusalem, and he came in the midst of Judea and Galilee, or Samaria and Galilee. Now, Samaria is basically where the Samarians lived. Galilee was a place where the Jewish people resided. And it says he came through the midst of that. So one was on one side and one was on the other. And the Lord had an appointment, I believe, that day. This was no surprise to the Lord. Now, I think it might have been somewhat of a surprise to the ten lepers, but not to the Lord. And as the Lord was making this journey, he came into close proximity to these ten lepers, but they stood afar off, which is what they were supposed to do according to Moses' law. A leper was supposed to keep his distance. He was supposed to cover his lip with, his, with a cup, actually, and cry, unclean, unclean, to let everybody know, I have leprosy, keep your distance. And so these ten did this. Now, this is a story. This is, I think, why I wanted to go to this this morning. Of ten men who were ten lepers. And all ten men were cleansed and healed. But only one of these ten turned and gave thanks to the Lord. The other nine continued on their way. Now, by nature, we are selfish. By nature, we're not thankful. By nature, we have a lot of problems, don't we? And parents have never had to sit down with their children and teach them, you know, things like lying. Did your parents teach you how to lie? Or didn't it just come natural? Uh, I never sat down with our children and said, listen, today's lesson is and we'll teach you how to lie. Oh, I could have given them a good lesson, I'm sure. But I didn't have to teach them that. I didn't have to teach them to be selfish. I had to teach them to be thankful. I had to teach them to say thank you from an early age. When someone does something for them, when someone gave them something, I said, now you say thank you. But then I had to follow up on that. Just to say thank you with no feeling, no emotion. What? That's just lip service, right? So then we had to teach them why they should say thank you. Why they should be thankful. And what being thankful was all about. See, you don't have to teach people the things of the flesh. It's just all there. It just, it just comes out. Again, you know, you don't have to teach, tell, teach people how to lie. You have to teach them the importance of telling the truth. And just show you how easy it is to lie. Whenever you call somebody and you get the voicemail and they say, please leave a message, I will call you back as soon as possible. They just lied. I don't know if anybody does that. 
Do you? I mean, maybe every occasionally, but do you call somebody back as soon as possible when you get the message? Do you immediately right there and turn around and call them back? Most of the time, I don't think you do. You, you'll call them back when it's convenient. But you just got through saying you would call them back as soon as possible. As a rule, that doesn't happen. We have to cultivate a spirit of gratitude. We have to cultivate a spirit of being thankful. It doesn't come natural. By nature, we're selfish. We have to teach our children to be unselfish. We have to teach our children to be grateful and to express that gratefulness, you know, in a way that's sincere and, and really is meaningful. And that's what we have here in this story. We have the Lord having an encounter with these ten men who are lepers. Now, this is one of the, I think the only time you're going to find where the Lord performs a miracle in a group. Most times Jesus performed miracles on an individual basis. Now, there was a time when there was two blind men. Blind Bartimaeus was one of them. There at the city of Jericho, when he heard that Jesus was going to come by, uh, we know the story how uh, blind Bartimaeus came and beseeched the Lord Jesus Christ that he would heal him and give him his sight. Well, there was two, two blind men there on that occasion. But generally speaking, we find the Lord heal people individually. But here the Lord is going to heal ten at one time. He could have healed a thousand at one time or ten thousand, a million. The Lord is not limited in these matters. Now, these ten had the dreaded disease of leprosy. Leprosy uh, is a picture of sin. Now, when you start reading the Old Testament, uh, you're going to come to Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. These are two very important chapters. Now, if someone asked you, what's your favorite book in the Bible? If I was to ask everybody here this morning, what's your favorite book in the Bible? I doubt very seriously anybody would say Leviticus. I just doubt that. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. As I say, Genesis is, it means the beginning, origin. Exodus means to exit. And in Leviticus means to leave. And that's about the time people start to leave reading the Bible. When they get to Leviticus, they get in all that. But I'm telling you, Exodus chapter, excuse me, Leviticus 13 and 14 are two chapters that's well worth your time and taking your time and studying because it deals with the subject of leprosy. In chapter 13, just to give you a little summary, we find it was the priest's duty and responsibility to check people when they suspicion they might have leprosy. He would examine them. And he had a way of determining that. If they had a, a spot on their skin or whatever, he examined them to see if it was just on the surface or did it go down deeper than that. And that's what sin is. Sin is not something that's on the surface. Sin goes all the way down. We say that man is totally depraved. We mean he's depraved in his mind, he's depraved in his heart, he's depraved in his will. That's something most people fail to understand. Man's will is depraved, just like his mind is depraved, just like his heart is depraved. Psalms 14, 1 says, The fool is said in his heart, there is no God. Romans 8, 6 says, The carnal mind is enmity against God, not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And in John chapter 5, the Lord tells some Jewish people, He says, Ye will not come unto me. Brother Tim will speak in Psalm 65, Bless the man whom thou choosest, and causest to approach unto me. John 6, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up again at the last day. The Lord told some Jews on this occasion, again, John 5, ye will not come to me. Man by nature cannot come to the Lord, you see. So sin 
goes deeper than just the surface, doesn't it? Man's depraved in his mind, his heart, and in his will. Every faculty. He cannot spiritually see. He cannot spiritually hear. He cannot spiritually taste. He cannot spiritually understand from the heart, from the inside. And then another test was that if it was leprosy, it would spread. And sin spreads. It just doesn't stay in one place. It spreads. And then sin will isolate you. It will separate you. It will separate you from the church. It will separate you from family. It will separate you from fellowship. It will separate you from a lot of things, you see. And then finally, if that leprosy is spread into the clothing, that clothing was to be taken off, the coat was taken off, and it was to be burned. It was good for nothing but be burned. Now the next chapter has got some good news in it. Because occasionally somebody who had leprosy would be cured, miraculously would be cured. And again, the priest was involved in this. And when he determined that a leper had been cleansed, then we find where he would take two birds. And he would take one bird and it would be slain in an earthen vessel. Now that's a picture to me of the Lord Jesus Christ's incarnation. We read in John 1.14, For the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We know the Lord Jesus Christ was conceived in the, in the womb of Mary, the virgin, and she was overpowered by the Holy Ghost, and she was blessed to conceive the second person of God, had the Word, the Son of God in her womb, as the Son of Man. This bird is slain in an earthen vessel, and then we find where the live bird, along with the hyssop, along with the wood and the scarlet, is dipped into the blood of the slain bird. The, slain, the living bird then flies away. The slain bird pictures the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bird that flies away pictures the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then that blood is taken by the priest and is sprinkled upon the cleansed leper seven times, seven being the number of completion and perfection. It takes the blood to cleanse people. In the book of Revelation 1, 5, it says, Now to Jesus Christ, who hath loved us and cleansed us by his blood. Now, it's important you notice the order of that. He did not say he cleansed us and loved us. See, before we're cleansed, we're unlovable. The, the, one of the things about the love of God is that it's miraculous. God did the miraculous when he loved you, when he loved me. He did the miraculous. He didn't get us cleaned up and make us all look shiny and pretty and one thing and another and then decide, well, I think I love that individual now. That person now is, is in a lovable state. That's not what the Lord did. The Lord loved you when you were not clean, who hath loved us and cleansed us by his blood. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us for the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. By the water of regeneration? The washing of regeneration. And then the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And then that blood, after being sprinkled, was taken and put upon the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe, big toe, of the cleansed leper. And that points us to what? What does regeneration enable you to do? It enables you to hear, doesn't it? Gives you a hearing ear. And then it affects the hands of your labor and the feet of your walk. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. A brand new world opens up after you have that experience of grace, doesn't it? A brand new world opens up. You now have an interest in things before you just consider to be foolishness. See, 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us that. For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness unto him, and neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. And then we find where the priest would take the anointing oil, and he would dip it in the blood, and then he would do the same thing, put it on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right foot. Well, what's, what's the oil represent? It represents the work of the Holy Spirit. God's wonderful and marvelous grace. See, Leviticus is worth studying if you just go and read chapters 13 and 14 because it's going to point you to man's condition by nature but also to man's position by God's sovereign grace. These were lepers. When you study the subject of lepers, I think it's quite interesting that the very first time we find a, an example of that is in the fourth chapter of Exodus. And there's lessons in this. In Exodus chapter 4, you're going to find where God is speaking to Moses and is commanding Moses to go back to the land of Egypt to bring his people out of there. And Moses, the Lord, says, uh, what can I show them that they'll believe that you have sent me? And he had a rod in his hand. The first thing he told him to do was cast his rod on the ground. It did. It became a serpent. Then the Lord told him to take it by the tail. And when he did, the serpent turned back into the rod. Then he told Moses to take his hand and put it into his bosom and pull it out. When he did, it was leprous and white as snow. Well, that teaches me to see the Lord has all power over all things. There's nothing in this world that God doesn't rule supremely in. He's the omnipotent God of heaven and also of earth. That even means afflictions and sicknesses and uh, diseases. So here he tells Moses to put his hand in his bosom. He brings it out. He calls just his hand, just his hand, just this part of the body to be leprous as snow. He then told him to put it back into his bosom and pull it out. And when he did, it was just as clean as it was before the leprosy came on. The Lord healed it instantly. Brought it on instantly, healed it instantly. In Numbers chapter 12, you're going to find where Aaron and Miriam complain about Moses. There's several lessons in this. You're going to find Moses as God's appointed leader. But because he had married an Ethiopian woman, we find where Aaron and Miriam spoke against it. And the Lord was displeased, and he called the three of them to the front of the tabernacle door. Now, you know you're in trouble when the Lord calls you out. And the Lord called all three of them there in front of the tabernacle door, and he explained to Aaron and Mo, uh, Miriam that Moses was appointed by me. They told Moses he took too much upon him. The Lord says he did not. I appointed Moses. And Moses is doing what I appointed him to do and commanded him to do. And then we're going to find where he calls Miriam to be filled with leprosy. Aaron saw it and pleaded with Moses he might intercede. And Moses did. Moses interceded on behalf of his sister Miriam. This is the same sister that stood by the riverbank when Pharaoh's daughter saw Moses as a little baby in the ark and asked her, should she go get a Hebrew maid to nurse him? And she said, yes. She went and got her mother. That's the same little sister. Except, well, I won't say little sister. She's actually several years older than Moses. Moses intercedes on behalf. God hears the intercessory prayer of Moses and he says, well, 
if she was to spit in the face of her father, she'd have to spend seven days outside the camp. And so she, she will spend seven days outside the camp. And that's what she did. After seven days, the Lord healed her of the leprosy. Then we come to 2 Kings chapter 5. And there's a man by the name of Naaman. And we're told all wonderful things about Naaman. He was a captain of the Syrian army. He was a man of valor, man of strength. But then it says, but he was a leper. That changed things drastically, did it not? But he was a leper. If a person had leprosy, he was referred to as the walking dead. He was just as sure as dead as our general rule. Called the walking dead. Here's this great man, known for his valor, captain of the Syrian army, done great things, but he was a leper. But we know how the story goes, how the little maid said there's a man of God in the camp of Israel. If he was over there, the man of God would be able to heal him. So the king of Syria sent Naaman over there. And Naaman came to where the man of God was, which is Elisha. And boy, the lessons abound in all of this, but I'm having to just pick out one or two little things here. He comes to where Elisha is at. And calls upon Elisha. Elisha doesn't come out personally. He sends his servant. And that didn't sit well with Naaman. He was expecting Elisha to personally come out. And this is what the scripture says. It says that Naaman said, I thought, I thought, surely he will come out. I thought he will come out. And he'll place his hands on me and I shall be healed. He had already planned out, had already had it figured out and thought out how all this was going to go. But that's not the way it went. And Elisha's servant says, the servant Elisha has said, go and dip seven times in Jordan's river. And this made Naaman very angry. And Naaman says, the rivers where I come from, where the land that I just left, are far superior to this river from the natural perspective they were. And you want me to dip myself in Jordan's river seven times? And he turned around. But his servants came to him and says, if he'd have bid thee do some great thing, you'd have done that. Isn't that human nature? If he'd have totally gone out and won some battle or some great thing, why, he'd have, he'd have just done that just as quick as possible. But he just said, do something simple. Just go down and dip in Jordan's river. I'll give Naaman credit. He listened to his servants. So he reversed course, went down the river Jordan when he came up. His leprosy was gone. Now, sometimes God heals directly. Sometimes God heals indirectly. I don't, don't ever forget that. Because there are people who are taught that if you go to a doctor, if you go to a hospital when you're sick, you're doing wrong. You're just not showing faith. Because God is a great physician. God can heal you. He doesn't need a doctor. He don't need a hospital. Well, that is true. God doesn't need a doctor. He doesn't need a hospital to heal you. But God has blessed men and women with gifts in this field, and he expects us to use them. God heals directly and indirectly. We have an example of that over here in the uh, book of 2 Kings chapter 20 with a man named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a, a good king in Israel, but Hezekiah got sick. And the Lord revealed to him he was going to die and told him to get his house in order. He did. He turned his back to the wall, got his house in order, and he prayed the prayer, Lord, he says, you know, heal thy servant. And the Lord said, I've heard thy prayers and seen thy tears. And unto thee I'll add 15 years. Now this also dispels the thought that everybody has just a set time to die. That's not true. That is not true. You can, you can bring about death 
earlier in life by foolish and wicked living. Solomon tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, Why live thou foolish or wicked? Why should thou die before thy time? You pick up the paper just about every day. Of course, nobody ever does that anymore. I don't know how they stay in existence. Nobody reads the paper anymore. They read it on the phone, the tablet, one thing or another. But anyway, you can read just about every day where somebody died because they did something very foolish or very wicked and brought about a death that they would not have encountered had they not done it. The Lord said, I'm going to add unto you 15 years. I've heard your prayers. I've seen your tears. And in 15 years, and he told Isaiah then told them to take a, a lump of figs and put it upon the bowl, and he recovered. Why did the Lord say that? Did the Lord have to have a lump of figs put on this to, to heal Hezekiah? He did not. But the Lord did use means right here. He healed him indirectly. That, that teaches a, a very important lesson for us. And so we find here where Naaman, you know, Moses and Miriam both had their leprosy cleansed directly by God. But in the case of Naaman, he had to go down and dip himself seven times in the River Jordan. And then we come and take a look at in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 of a king by the name of Uzziah. King Uzziah started reigning when he was 16 years old. He's going to reign 52 years. And for the 52 years, right up to the end, he was a good king who reigned well. And you'll read in this chapter where it says, as long as he pleased the Lord. Now notice this, as long as he pleased the Lord, the Lord prospered him. But then it says, he got exalted. And he went. And did something that he was forbidden to do according to God's law. He took a censer and went to offer uh, incense in the temple. Only the priest had the responsibility and authority to do that because God separated the throne from the altar. Even though the king sat on the throne, he had no authority over here at the altar. That was for the priesthood. The priest went into, in there and saw that and pleaded with Uzziah. Uzziah was very wroth with the priest, and as he would not listen to him, all of a sudden leprosy started coming from his forehead. They banished him out of the temple. He had to live the rest of his days in what they call a several house, separated and isolated. Here was a king who had reigned 52 years, had reigned well up to the very end. But if you look at that chapter, you see where God prospered him as long as he pleased the Lord. The Lord helped him against the Philistines, and then the Lord afflicted him with leprosy in the end. The king knew better. He died in this state. Very sad, sad situation. You know, Isaiah 6.1 reads, Isaiah was the prophet during this time. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train did fill the temple. I thank God there's a king, a heavenly king, far superior to any earthly king. And even though Uzziah had lived a, a, a wonderful life and done a great job for, almost to the end, but not quite, for 52 years, we find that Isaiah didn't look to the king Uzziah. He said, in the year that king Uzziah died, he died. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. You got four examples in the Old Testament concerning this. We come to the New Testament, we come to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew is the king's gospel, the gospel of the king, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The first four chapters of Matthew gives us the person of the king. And then Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, give us the credentials. The credentials in the first four chapters, the principles of the king in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now, starting in chapter 8, you're going to see the power of the king. For what good is it to have a king who has, you know, credentials if he doesn't have power? <laughs> Our Lord Jesus Christ uh, qualified to be the king of, uh, king of king and lord of lords. He came exactly according to God's word. And he had the credentials as you read them. And that shows you in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 what kind of kingdom that he had, how it be ruled. And then we have the power of the king beginning in Matthew chapter 8 because in Matthew 8 and 9, you got 10 miracles that happened back to back to back. What's the first miracle? A leper king. You read this same account in Luke chapter 5. And it says this man was full of leprosy. He just didn't have leprosy. He was full of leprosy. And he did what the other ten did not do. He did not stand afar off. He came to the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that the Lord had the power over afflictions, over diseases, over leprosy to heal him. And the Lord did. But here's what the leper said. He said, Lord, he said, if thou wilt, thou can cleanse me. Now, when the Lord performed several uh, miracles like he giving sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and things like that, it's spoken of as healing. When the Lord dealt with leprosy, it spoke of healing and cleansing both. It's the only, only one that does that. Healing and cleansing. If thou wilt, thou can heal me or cleanse me. The Lord says, I will. Now, we don't always know the Lord's will, do we? But here's, here's what we do know about the Lord's will. And always remember this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed and renew of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. That tells us three things about God's will. It's good, it's perfect, and it's acceptable. may not be understandable every, all the time, but we know it's good, we know it's perfect, and we know it's acceptable. We know that. That's why when we pray, we say, if it be the Lord's will. Lord, we pray according to your will, because his will is in total perfection. Remember how the Lord told us, taught us to pray in the prayer there in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, when you pray, you pray in this manner, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. How do you think God's will is carried out in heaven? I'd say in perfection, wouldn't you? And so we pray for God's will to be carried out right here. Right here. So we find the first one that comes to him is a leper, and the Lord heals him. And then that's followed by nine more miracles there. But the first one is a leper. In our text here in Luke chapter 17, this is the last reference in the Bible to the healing of leprosy, the last one. It's not the last reference to a leper. The last reference to a leper is in Matthew 26, in Mark chapter 14, when the Lord comes to the household of Simon the leper. Now, I know he's a cleansed leper, or they wouldn't be in the household. It's his household. And I do want this point out of this. Here's Simon the leper. He's a former leper, a cleansed leper, a healed leper. And he's showing his thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus Christ by opening up his home. And we see it's a home given to hospitality. There's at least 17 people in his house right now. Now, Lord willing, the Lord bless this week, as we anticipate, there will be several times this week we will have 22 people in our house. 
Now, we got 21, but uh, we got one on the way. We're counting her, 22, Tim. There'll be 22. It'll be organized chaos. There will be noise. <laughs> There'll be people coming, people going. <laughs> but it'll be fun. It'll be great because it's family. It's Thanksgiving time, right? <laughs> 17 people at least are in this household here and is in the house of Simon the leper. But in Luke chapter 17, this is the last reference to leprosy or a leper recorded in the Bible. The Lord's going to cleanse and heal 10 of them at one time. They come to him and they cry to him and said, Master. It's the same word that we find over here in Luke chapter 5. When the Lord tells Peter to cast out into the deep, let the the nets down, he said, Lord, we toiled all night long, but nevertheless, at thy word, we'll do it. It means commander-in-chief. Now, our our president is referred to as commander-in-chief, but I'm I'm thankful I can talk to you about another commander-in-chief who does a better job. This commander-in-chief does a perfect job. They believed that he had the power and the authority to cleanse them from their leprosy, and they cry out, they stay at a distance, and the Lord is going to heal them. Now, let's notice how this reads right here. Luke chapter 17. In a certain village, they met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices. It wasn't a singular voice, it was in the plural. They all together lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. Notice the word cleansed and the word healed here. They were not only cleansed, they were healed. Now in Isaiah chapter 53, what are we told about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ? By his stripes, what? We're healed. But I've already given you one or two other verses where it also teaches how we are cleansed. We are healed, we are cleansed. That's used twice here. I mean, each one used right here in this, uh, in this story. He is healed, turned back in with a loud voice. I like that too. He didn't just say, and with a voice, glorify God. He didn't say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He cried with a loud voice. And glorified God in that. Now the Lord has told them to go see the priest. And they're on the way. But this one man, when he saw he was healed, the Lord healed them instantly. Right then, he turned around and with a loud voice glorified God. The other nine went on the way. What did the ten have in common? The ten had in common, they were all lepers. And I believe some of them were Samaritans. I believe some of them were Gentiles, which that would be out of the ordinary for Gentiles and Samaritans, excuse me, Jews, Jews and Samaritans to mix and mingle. Normally they did not. But if you got leprosy, what difference does it make what nationality you are? If you got leprosy, what difference does it make what bloodline you got, right? What nationality you are if you got leprosy? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. They all ten have it. You know what we got in common here this morning? By nature, we're all lepers. (laughs) By nature, we're all sinners. By nature, we're all depraved apart from the wonderful, miraculous, wondrous grace of God. 
I love singing that hymn, Wondrous Grace of God, Wondrous Love of God. It is a wonder, isn't it? How could God love us? How could God, uh, you know, look down from heaven and see us and love us such a depraved condition? How could he do that? Because he's God and he's sovereign. And the almighty God did the impossible. He did the miraculous. He loved you when you were in that condition. Here are 10 men. They're all lepers. Every one of them. What else do they have in common? They were all cleansed. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, I'm going to tell you what he done for the entire elect family of God. At one time, he redeemed every single one of them at one time. He reconciled every single one of them at one time. He justified every single one of them at one time. He paid the atonement price for every single one of them at one time. One price, one offering, one sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ made it on Calvary's cross, and I'm telling you, it cleansed, legally speaking, and healed the entire family of God that no man can number. I like that little expression, no man can number. Why do you think the Lord spoke to, the, to us about the stars of heaven? Because no man can number them. Why do you think the Lord spoke about the Lord's people being like the sand of the seashore? Because nobody can number the sand of the seashore. Why do you think the Lord spoke about being like the dust of the earth? Who in the world can comprehend the dust of the earth in the scale and about? Nobody but God. God knows how many stars are there because he created them. He knows how much sands by the seashore. He created it all. And he knows how many children he's going to have in heaven some sweet day because he chose them and elected them, predestinated, named them, and gave them to his son before time ever began. Oh, what wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. They're all cleansed, but only one turns around, just one. And the Bible says he was a stranger. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't, he wasn't even a Jew. He was a Samaritan whom the Jews despised. But it also says he was a stranger. There's four categories that you can be in in life. You can be a fugitive, you can be a vagabond, you can be a stranger, or you can be a pilgrim. Thank God we're not a fugitive. A fugitive somebody fleeing home. He's on the run. Thank God that's not us. And a vagabond just doesn't have a home. Aren't you thankful this morning you got a home? You got a home one day you're going to occupy in glory, and you got a home right here in the manifestation of what you're going to have in heaven some sweet day. Right here, you get a little taste of what heaven's all about. If you don't enjoy this, you're going to be disappointed in heaven, I tell you that. But you won't be disappointed, I can assure you that. And then there's a stranger who somebody's traveling away from home. That gets us. And then there's the pilgrim who's on a journey heading home. That gets us, doesn't it? Go to Hebrews chapter 11, that... that uh, Chapter on, on, you know, the hall of fame of those who walk by faith and do great things by faith. We come to verse 13. It says, and they saw the promises of God afar off. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ afar off right here. But they saw the promises of God afar off. It says, they were persuaded of them, having not obtained the promises. They saw them afar off and were persuaded of them, and they embraced them, and they confessed they were pilgrims and strangers here in this world. I don't mind being called a pilgrim and a stranger in that regard. 
they con- that's what they confessed. It says, they that say such things. You know there's a language in the church that's not in the world. We don't use the word luck here in the house of God, do we? We shouldn't. But we use what? Blessing. Blessing. Now, I do believe there are times where certain things can happen that is a coincidence, but generally speaking, I like the word providence, don't you? And on this day, when these ten lepers begin their journey, wherever they might be going, you know, misery loves company. You got Samaritans, you got Jews mixed together, which normally would not happen, but misery loves company. And they wind up being in an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't know what this day was going to bring forth in their lives, but Jesus did. And the Lord tells him, go and show the priest. Go and keep the, uh, you know, Moses' law like they're supposed to do. And they went. But this one man turns around, sees he was healed. And he turns around with a loud voice. He glorified God. And he fell at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. I tell you, we got so much to be thankful for today. If we began to try to name everything we'd be thankful for, why we'd be here to the sunset, right? <laughs> to the sunset. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I want to be thankful for at least what this, this Samaritan, this stranger was thankful for. He was thankful for his cleansing. He was thankful for his healing. Here's a man who went from hopeless to, to a man uh, with strong expectations now of happiness and joy and peace. Because the Lord did for him what he could not go to any other man and get done. Name me one other person that he could have went to and that would have happened. Nobody, my friends, nobody but Jesus Christ. He's the great physician. He's the healer. He's the master. He's the Lord. He's the king. He's the savior. He's all of these things, is he not? He's a specialist, whatever you stand in need of. <laughs> when you ask somebody how many doctors they have, you didn't used to ask them that. You used to ask them how, who was the doctor, singular now you ask about doctors, plural, right? Because everybody's a specialist except for your GP. <laughs> you go see him and he facilitates. He tells you where to go. I'm telling you, you don't have to go to anybody but Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ knows all situations, knows all circumstances. The Lord Jesus Christ knows your problems, knows your difficulties, knows your deficiencies, he knows your illnesses, he knows anything and everything there is to know about you. And on top of all that, he has what it takes to heal you. He has what it takes to heal you. Now, I want to close this morning by reading to you a passage over here in the 107th Psalm. This psalm begins over here in verse 3 and it says, uh, verse 2, excuse me, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now notice he, notice he identifies the ones under consideration here. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Somebody has been redeemed. That's what it says. He didn't say let the redeemable. He said let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, if you love the Lord, you've been redeemed. If you are, then you've got something to say. What are you saying? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and the west and the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Now, did you, did you get the picture? But now, look at verse 6 and 7 and 8. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble 
and he delivered them out of their distresses, and he led them forth by the right way they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's like at this point here, the writer says, wait a minute, we got to stop right here because we got to do something. We got to praise the Lord. <laughs> we got to praise the Lord right here uh, for all that he's done for us. Before we go any further, we, we got we to praise him. We're going to find that recorded four times. For he satisfied the longing soul, filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of the Lord and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Do you get the picture? How many to help? None to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness, the shadow of death, and break their bands in sunder. Oh, we got a pause here now. Verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. <laughs> so you got to pause every once in a while and say, wait a minute, before we go any further, I just got to honor God. Before we go any further, I got to thank God. Before I go any further, I got, I got to praise the Lord. <laughs> you ever feel like that? <laughs> For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, we got a pause right here. We got a pause. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Now this reminds me of a little experience a man by the name of Jonah had one time. Jonah found himself in Jonah chapter 2 in the belly of a well in the very depths of the sea. You ever been there? <laughs> Literally, no. Figuratively, Maybe. And it said, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. He says, I will pay my vow with the voice of thanksgiving. He's in the belly of a whale. The Bible describes him being wrapped head to toe wrapped around with seaweed. Can you imagine his condition? Can you imagine his his situation, can you imagine how he smelled in the belly of that fish, in the belly of that great fish, that whale there, and his condition in the bottom of an ocean? He's been there three days. He said, oh, I, I vow, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord with the voice of thanksgiving. And here's what he said. He said, salvation is of the Lord. <laughs> and you know what happened? The Lord spake unto the fish, and he spit him up on dry ground. That whale couldn't even take salvation of the Lord. That's how some people are sometimes. But I'm telling you, when he said uh, salvation of the Lord, he experienced a, a complete deliverance as he spit him right up on dry ground on the shore of the sea. So we conclude here with the last pause. Psalms 107. They that go down to the sea in ships and do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord, his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifted up the ways thereof. 
They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man or at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. Four times we're told that. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them under their desired haven. And now we pause for the fourth time. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men.